welcome to another episode of Evolving Prisons with me, Kagan Carey. My guest today is Sarah Lee. Sarah has worked as a musician in prison since 1984, and in 1995, she was asked to form the Irene Taylor Trust, which delivers music projects in prisons and in the community. Sarah speaks about the beginning of her career working in HMP, Wormwood Scraps, playing music for people in prison, and the positive effect this had on not only them, but the staff too. Sarah tells us about how the arts were called upon during the COVID-19 pandemic to help alleviate the difficulties people in prison were facing by being in their cell around 23 hours per day. She shares about her experiences of working in America and Norway and the integration of music in prisons over there. Sarah also talks about the many benefits of music for people in prison and how she wishes more funding and importance was placed on this. I hope you enjoy this episode. Sarah, you've been working as a musician in prisons since 1984, and I know you had a big part to play in creating the Irene Taylor Trust and music in prisons. So can you just tell me a little bit about how you got into working in prisons and tell me about the trust? Yeah, sure. So back in uh, 1984, I was just finishing my undergrad degree at um, Guildhall in London. And like many people, when they get to the end of their degrees, it was this case of actually, what do I want to do now? And the options for somebody that's classically trained as a musician are things like teaching, maybe, or playing an orchestra or a soloist or a chamber musician. I have to be honest that none of those things, certainly not the orchestra, really appealed to me in that way. But I really, really loved working in chamber ensembles, kind of small groups and the like. And by random chance, I was so lucky a new course started up just as I was about to leave the Guildhall and they invited me back onto it because they thought it might be the kind of thing that I would really enjoy. And the idea of the course at that time was to take music into areas of the community which couldn't ordinarily get access to it. So a range of schools, old folks' homes where people couldn't travel to come to gigs. And by chance, my name was on a, on a list that said HMP Wormwood Scrubs at the top of it. So back in the 80s, Nobody knew much about prisons at all. So it was a bit of a voyage of discovery for all of us and still remains one of the most extraordinary things that I've ever done. The most extraordinary gigs where we were greeted by 70 or 80 incredibly lively men who clapped in between movements, who shouted questions out, who did all the things that at that moment I was thinking to myself, goodness me, that is exactly how music should be responded to. So you know, as a classical musician, you grow up with people politely clapping you. And you never really find out whether they like what you've done. But it was very clear immediately because of what the men were shouting out that they absolutely loved what was going on. And then the other key point in that gig was that one of the prisoners had written a piece of music and we managed to play what he'd written for him. And it was watching the response of his peers and watching him sit up in his seat as his music was realised by professional musicians. And it was just extraordinary. And the man that ran the education at the Scrubs at the time just said, I have never seen anything go, go down so well. Does anybody want to come teach music? And I just went, yeah. Having absolutely no idea what on earth I might do. And, you know, I got in there at the age of 22, about 20, yeah, 22. And I was really green as it regards what you can do in those surroundings because it wasn't something that people did at the time 
so I just learned, I just kept a week ahead, basically, of, every, of everyone and everything. And happily, when I arrived there, there were a few of the men who'd signed up for my class, who'd actually heard the gig. So they were then able to go, oh, yeah, it was really fantastic. I really loved this. This was really brilliant. It was so interesting to have lots of musicians in. It was lovely to talk to you all. So the initial first meeting was taken care of, I suppose, by those guys who had recognised me. And then it was just, you know, as I said, staying a week ahead with prep and being very honest with them, saying, I don't know the answers to everything. You'll realise very soon that I've never worked in the jail before. Let's work together. Let's do stuff together. And any questions, if I can't answer them, I'll um, find out from a colleague at Guildhall and I'll bring you the answers next week. And I think it was that honesty that started it off in a really strong way. And it just and it lasted for 11 years. And I had the best time. It kind of taught me a lot about people and a lot about how to create music with people who just didn't have that opportunity. So we did all kinds of random things in the scrubs. And towards the end of my time there, I was given a Butler Trust award by the Butler Trust. And one of the women who was instrumental in me getting that award was a lady called Irene Taylor. And she had seen and read about all the work that I'd done and absolutely loved it, was very supportive. She passed away very soon after I got the award. And because her family wanted to do something in her memory, they just called me and just said, look, you know, we want to set up something. She loved the work you did. Do you want to run the charity? So once again, my first, my default answer is always yes. And then kind of worry about how to do, how to do it later. But that's how it started. And it started in my living room, this very living room. And you just learn. And if you don't know the answers, you ask people. And the trust now is 27. We've got a wide range of programmes that take place both in prisons and the community. But the ethos is the same. It's about allowing people to tell their stories via music and supporting them to develop, I suppose, as human beings. That's really beautiful. And I understand that one of the taglines of the Irene Taylor Trust is creating music, transforming lives, which matches perfectly with certainly the the Scottish Prison Service mission, which is unlocking potential, transforming lives. So very similar. So tell me a little bit about the work that you do in prisons with the Trust. So our main programme is a five-day intensive workshop where we would work with maybe 10 to 12 people to write new music. So we like to use instruments in what we do. There's a lot of work we do with young people where we use programs, computers, interfaces, all that kind of stuff. But there's something about the tactile nature of playing an instrument and learning an instrument, which is hugely pleasing to a lot of people. And it's where a lot of our project team kind of grew up doing that kind of music. So we take in a whole van load of instruments, unload them, set them up. Immediately people walk in, their response will either be one of absolute joy or absolute fear. And it's the musician's job to bring those two things together. So to enthuse the ones who maybe think that they haven't got a chance of succeeding and to support the ones that maybe did it earlier in their lives and want to revisit it. It's all about new music and writing the music that our groups want to write. So whilst we go in with a lot of pooled knowledge from all the work that we've done and all the interests that we have, it's very much about if somebody wants to write an R&B track or a hip hop number or a piece of country and Western, then we do that. And we'll teach them the instruments, we'll write the lyrics with them, we record it and we perform it. So that's the basis of most of our work in the prison service. We also have musicians in residence who don't just go in to do a one-off project, but they go in maybe once or twice a week 
over a much longer period of time to kind of do the instrument teaching to enrich the life of the prison as well, I suppose, on a more ongoing basis. And we found that if you can use those two models together, so the musician in residence and the intensive weeks, it really does offer the prison something very special. And it kind of just keeps a really nice vibe all the time. That's lovely. I read a piece that you wrote about the work that you do, and you had mentioned that the music positively impacts the well-being of not only people in prison, but the staff too. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm always really aware that prison officers do a very difficult job, and they're not always supported to do that job in a way that you might hope when you turn up to work in the morning. And I just think that What we can do and what the arts does generally, but I speak from a musical perspective because that's my background, is just something that pervades everyone, I think. Music is a really interesting thing in that it will always spark a conversation. Whether you like the same music or not, you like music. So then you start bartering away with, oh, how can you like that band? You should listen to this. This is much better. That's old people's music. You should listen to this. So it's all those things kind of going on. And I think if you enthuse any groups... And obviously we we work with the prisoners, by and large, to write the music. It's the vibe that they take away from that onto the wings when they feel, I don't know, more excited, more enthused, more creatively engaged, I suppose. And that's when we found that conversations start with staff, which maybe haven't happened before. And, you know, the occasions where somebody will walk past the room and they'll see a very unlikely person sitting down and concentrating and kind to us and say, well, how on earth did you manage to get him to sit down for three hours and concentrate? And of course, the answer is, you know, he's doing something that he really wants to do. But then that becomes a really nice focal point for the staff member and the prisoner to talk about, you know, just, hey, you sound really good there. That was amazing. I didn't realise you could sing like that. Hey, I walked past on the first day and it sounded like chaos. But when I walked past on day three, it sounded like a proper song. So there's this kind of undercurrent of creativity and change and excitement that goes on that does feel important for it to pervade the whole prison because it just just makes them better places to live and better places to work. Yeah, I bet. And as well with music and what you're doing with them, the fact that they're sitting down, they're concentrating, they're being creative, it probably also gives them confidence and reinforces that they are clever because I feel like sometimes the traditional education system, it isn't designed for everybody. And some people might not be good at the traditional maths, English, science, but are actually very intelligent in different ways, but haven't actually been praised and supported with that. So it sounds like a brilliant thing for increasing their confidence. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. You know, sometimes you look at something and you think, well, yeah, we've written five really good songs, but the most important thing is all these people in this room have walked out looking taller, looking more confident, looking as though they could take on the world. And what they've done is just, I don't know, increase their chances, I think, of succeeding in other areas. Because, I mean, the arts is a a massive thing in all our lives, however we use it, whether we watch films or whether we play instruments, whether we watch television. It's all the arts, you know, and there's something about it which, when you create it, makes you feel really, really good. And I think sometimes it's much easier for people who might have had a pretty poor school experience to do something that is learning by stealth, really. And you're giving people the opportunity to learn, communicate, collaborate, and do all those things that you ideally want people to do to make their lives and our lives more effective and more enjoyable. 
they do it by sitting playing a keyboard or learning guitar chords or being on the drum set or writing pages and pages of lyrics for songs. It's just food for the soul. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and in the last two and a half years or whatever, we've all looked to the arts in a way that we, we may never have before to get us through a really, really difficult period. And prisoners are exactly the same. Yeah. I want to ask you about that, actually, because I know that you'd written that during the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously, as we all know, prisoners were locked in their cells most of the days and the impact, well, we're still looking into it research-wise, impact that's had on their psychological well-being and, and things. But in your piece of work, you'd said that the arts were actually called upon to help in prisons during COVID-19, to help alleviate the pressures and the stresses for prisoners. Can you just tell me about what kind of things were happening? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't at all surprised that the arts was called on first because everyone knows in their heart that the arts is very, very important and it can relax people, take away stress and just make people feel a little bit better. And I think with people being locked up, with prisoners being locked up for 23-odd hours a day, there was the desperate need to do something that would alleviate that. And, I mean, you'll know that prisons don't have access to all the things that people do outside. So, unfortunately, we had to be quite creative in the way that we approached the requests for, can you help us? Can you send us anything in? What can you do to help us do this? We had to be very creative because basically it all had to happen via correspondence. So there was no real opportunity to do Zoom lessons or anything like that because, of course, you know, they don't have access to things like that, which I hope is one of the things that's going to change. And I hope the prison service comes into the 21st century because it will help across the board. Um, anyway, we just had to be really creative about what we did. We had some fantastic staff support in prisons and we we know that they were absolutely at their wits end about what to do. And things were changing on a not even a weekly basis, a daily basis. And obviously what we had to do was rely on staff members to be able to deliver things under people's doors. And that's where the relationships that we have really shone through, I think, because we had to accept that there were things that were going to be difficult. We had to accept that there were things that might take six weeks, which ordinarily would take three days. But the staff who were on site were doing as much as they possibly could within the, the restrictions that were placed on them. And we managed to do songwriting by correspondence. We managed to create two new resources. One was a playlist project where we got all our project team to devise playlists under a number of different genres and prisons purchased that to spread around the prison. There were a list of questions to answer, different ways of listening to music. So all that kind of thing was there to just, I think, alleviate the pressure we knew that would be on them. We all had pressure, but vastly different because we could get out for a walk a day if we wished, even though we were locked in our houses. So the idea was to broaden their musical ability, but also to give them something to focus on that took them away from the surroundings and the news, I suppose, at the time. And the other thing we did, which was actually, it was really good because it was based on so many things that we've been asked over the years. We created a series of music lessons on keyboard, guitar, songwriting, music theory and improvisation. And once again, got our project team to create those, made a little handbook, recorded a DVD, and once again, prisons were able to purchase that. So a lot of learning could take place. 
And the idea of both those things is that they weren't just for the pandemic. They can now sit alongside the work we do and be used to enhance the offer that we make to a prison. So it was all really good. But, you know, once again, how many people got access to them? Who knows? But we hope that those that did actually found some joy in it because it was a really grim time. And the people we work with deserve to have opportunities that other people get. That's my my view. And so we went beyond the call of duty with the support of staff to ensure that they had at least access to something that was stimulating and not necessarily just a word search puzzle or a whatever it was. I don't know. And I totally agree with you. I feel like there's obviously different different people in prison. There are people in prison for very horrific crimes. There are people in prison for not so horrific crimes. And I know that views towards how we should treat people in prison are vastly, vastly varied. But for the most part of people in prison, you know, this model where people talk about, oh, let's lock them away and throw away the key. I don't agree with that at all. I agree with you. They're, they're human beings at the end of the day. A lot of them have not had the upbringing that I've certainly been privileged to have. And the fact that you are giving them something that will help them in future. I know that you'd said that with the music, it allows them to build their teamwork, their communication skills. So imagine them getting that and then taking that into the outside world. It's going to benefit all of society if these people are coming out more equipped and more knowledgeable than had they, as you say, just kind of sitting twiddling their thumbs in a prison cell. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think it's also really important to remember that you don't necessarily need to get a job from the arts. You know, the arts is something for the soul. And the arts is also something very importantly, which I've also spoken about quite a lot, and I know other people do, is for your downtime. And I know that people, when they are released from prison, keeping themselves occupied with meaningful things is sometimes quite tricky. So if they have this skill, either they want to sing in a choir or they want to start a band or they can come and work with us on our former prisoner project and keep in touch with the organisation that way, those kind of things are so positive when people get released into this metaphorical deep dark hole when they leave. And it's kind of something familiar and it's something that they can use to enhance their life going onwards. And tell you what, another really good thing is when people tell us that things they've learned, they've then been able to speak to their kids about because their kids are also learning the piano or learning to sing or in the school play. And then the father or the mother or the brother or the sister is able to then have a real kind of, oh, yeah, hey, how did you get on with that call? Or, or how did you manage to learn that? Or just these conversations which kind of take it away from the from the, the, the situation which the overriding thing, which is there isn't a great deal to talk about because not much happens. Yeah. So if parents and their kids or sisters, brothers, etc., are kind of doing something in tandem with their family member, then it's, it's really great. And I remember a man telling me that he said, oh, I always used to tell my son off for not practicing hard enough. And he said, now I know how difficult it is. And so he's really experienced I think what his son was going through. And then there was this point of contact with, hey, I know it's tricky. I know you have to spend a long time. You know, sorry I got on at you, but I'm doing it now. And it's really hard. It just builds relationships, you know, healthy relationships. That's what it builds. Yeah. And it's just that, as you say, that kind of platform to come from to communicate with each other and, and understanding rather than they probably don't have much in common when somebody's in prison. And as you say, they, they don't have much to talk about probably. So how brilliant that that, it really helps bond the family back together. Absolutely right. And that's such an important bond 
to keep alive, I think, because it's crucial to the next steps when people are released. I think if the family unit is a strong one, um, then there is more chance of success. I mean, lots of things go in parallel here, don't they? So having a job, having a good, stable family, having a home to live in, having a bit of money, all those things need to work side by side. But, you know, I don't think we can underestimate the power of music and the arts as the thing which makes you feel good, makes you feel confident to attempt other things. Yeah, definitely. And is it just England that you're you're working in just now then with the Trust? We work mainly in England. We haven't come up to Scotland because, I mean, we've been asked up to Scotland a few times and I've said to them, I said, guys, you've got some really good people doing some really good work up there. You know, it's flattering that they want us to go up, but financially it's not worth it. And I think it's really good to build your own community of musicians because then the thing can really grow. There doesn't seem much point in us parachuting in and then zipping off again. But we also work overseas a bit, which has been a very exciting development for the Trust. started about about 10 years ago now, I think, maybe even more. And we work over in Chicago and we also work over in Norway. The Chicago link came via the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and they were really interested in taking music to their communities. And the States is a little bit behind what we do in the UK and they were hugely interested in the kinds of projects we run in prisons. And so we found ourselves going over there and training some of the musicians in the orchestra and also groups of younger musicians to actually be able to deliver the work that we do over in the UK. And we did lots of other projects. We did a lullaby project. We work with groups who've lost family members to gun crime. The the main thing about it is we're writing songs with people. It's all kind of song and story based, which is really good. And because we go over there maybe twice a year, and we have done since we've started, it means that we've built up a really nice community over there. And the work, the young musicians who we work with now are able to do this thing on their own. So that enhances their ability to help their communities through difficult times. So, you know, we've done training and stuff. And the Norway link came about through a Winston Churchill Travel Fellowship, which I got in um, 2015 where I wanted to see how people use music both in the States and in Norway. And I'd imagined to myself that the States would be one particular thing, Norway would be completely opposite, and the UK would be sitting somewhere in the middle. But I was slightly worried to see that the UK is actually sitting far closer to the US than it is to any kind of Norwegian model. But, you know, it's it's really inspiring to see how the Norwegians run their prison service. And I know, because I've read a bit about some stuff that you've done as well, that you've looked at, at, you know, the training of officers and everything like that. And I just think it seems to me to be a no-brainer to do that because prisons function so much better when you have staff who have been trained in all the things that they're going to be required to deliver, if you like. And what an interesting job to be a prison officer in Norway If you get all those different kinds of support and training, I just think it'd be fantastic to be an officer over there. But yeah, so work has grown over there and we work work over there once a year with groups of prison music teachers and groups of prisoners, both inside and outside. Once again, writing songs, getting people to tell their stories, giving them an experience which will enrich their lives. Amazing. Yes, I am probably harper on a little bit too much about my love for the Norwegian prison system and the way they they do things. Obviously, I'm 
not got experience of working in it. So, you know, I've spoken to some people who think actually the system needs to improve a lot. But certainly when you look at some other prison systems, they're worlds apart. And from the prison officers I've spoken to in Norway, they were all so passionate and positive about the work they do. Every single one of them from a younger age, they knew that they wanted to do something with rehabilitation. And I'm sure there are plenty of people like that in in the United Kingdom as well. But unfortunately, a lot of the ones I've spoken to, it's very much been just a default. You know, sadly, some of them have said to me, oh, I don't have qualifications to do anything else. So that's why I became a, a prison officer. And it's scary and sad to hear that. And I'm not for a minute suggesting that a lot of the officers in the UK are like that. But it was just interesting from my chats and experience, it was vastly different why people joined the service for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'd just be interested to know, I know a little bit about Holden Prison's music system. Ari, the governor there, has kindly told me some stuff about what they do, and it sounds incredible. But from your experience, can you just tell me what you noticed the big differences were between America, the UK and Norway in relation to music in prison? One of the most important things that I got from doing that trip was being able to come back and say to my colleagues, who at that time were really getting very despondent about the support the arts was getting, and just to say to them that we're doing the most fantastic job. And I remember remember when I was making contacts to go over to the States, people are saying, well, why are you coming to learn from us? We do all our learning from you guys in the UK because you're years ahead of what we do. We look at your evaluations, we look at your programs, we we work out the bits that you do that we can do in our own prisons. So it was very flattering, but also I think really important because it's very difficult to remain optimistic sometimes. I think, you know, as as artists we generally are very optimistic and we'll always be able to create something beautiful with not very much. But the support higher up, I'm not talking about prisons, I'm talking about, you know, governments, I'm talking about policymakers. And it just seems to me that the artists over here get a little bit squashed because it never seems important to those making decisions. And that makes me really sad. In Norway, it very much is important. And I remember speaking to the Holden governor. The Holden governor said that there are people that like to learn music. There are people who like to just enjoy music. And that's why we offer them both things to do. And he looked at me when I when I kind of looked puzzled and he said, well, why wouldn't he do that? And of course, he's absolutely right. And I think in the States, I mean, I met some really amazing people in the States. I was very aware that some of the trips which were attached to a conference I went on were very much seeing the best of something. So they put their prison on show. The far more revealing ones in good ways and less good ways were where I'd contacted one person in the prison say, hi, I'm passing through. Can I come and sit in on one of your classes? But once again, every time I sat in on a class and they asked me to talk, they're all saying, oh, I wish we could do that. Oh, how do you manage to do that? Oh, we've been trying to do this for decades and we can't do it. So it was just, you know, if any of us over here needed any affirmation that we were doing a good job, then I was able to feedback that we were. But I just, every time I look at it, I see the amount of brilliant artists that work in criminal justice in the UK and other places. And it seems to me that we've only tapped the very, very top of what actually the arts and, and these wonderful creative people can do. Because people in, in prison are naturally quite entrepreneurial, very creative, not always in the ways that 
good hope, but they have imagination. And it's absolutely brilliant when you see people coming together to develop something from that. And, and it's why I think that just the arts should be pushed and pushed and pushed. Not maybe as a core subject, because that would be, I, I don't think any government is going to want that because the public may not quite understand why we were doing it. Um, but I think to have a, a real kind of cross-section of the arts available to everybody would make everyone's lives much, much better. But, you know, as I say, I think we look at Norway and kind of sigh, but you're right, there were people in Norway who, who, who said to me, actually, you know, what you read, it's not always, it's not always like that. But I think it's the training and I think the commitment to wanting to look at what might work rather than just going, oh, we're scared of what the public might say or we're scared of this might happen, so we're not going to do it. You know, it's just one of those. I think just it needs a bit more bravery because the artists are, are, are there ready to go. And, oh, my gosh, they're fantastic. Some of them are brilliant. So brilliant. I know I have to laugh. There was an ex-governor in Norway who I actually call my friend now. He, The media said to him, are you running a holiday camp here? And he just kind of doesn't really let comments like that phase him. Like he's so... He knows that the way he was running the prison was good for the prisoners and it wasn't a holiday camp at all. But it's just interesting how, as you say, some people and some governments and things are very worried about what the public might say. But it was just so interesting to get a, a fresh perspective of, yeah, that's what people say, but you know, he, he just didn't let it phase him at all, which is, yeah. I think, Norway don't seem to as much as, as the UK does, certainly. They no. seem to think, no. we want to make a difference and this is going to make the difference. Whereas I sometimes get the impression that in the UK, it's more about, oh, but what would the public think? Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, certainly at times where leaderships and potential government changes are up. I mean, there's, there's going to be nothing, nothing that changes there because it's not high on anybody's list of priorities, you know. And there are some very, very big things happening at the moment which need sorting, obviously. But, you know, it needs a very long-term plan and it needs commitment from cross-party to apply that plan and not deviate from it and make sure that, that everybody's voices are being heard and being listened to because. At the moment, it feels as though it's not. It's just government, maybe media. And thankfully, there are some very strong prison staff who just go, no, I know this works, so we're going to have it in my jail. (laughs) Okay, that's great. Thank you. And it would be great if there were more. Or actually, it would be great if the arts were treated as they used to be. I think so much has changed educationally and the demands and the requirements of prisons in order to get money to be to be able to put on courses. I mean, so much has changed since I started. It's been a long time. And there were dodgy things that were happening right at the beginning of my of my time. But there, there was a real commitment in the scrubs, certainly, to the arts. And because the governor saw what they did for the population and he saw how it spread to the winds and he saw how prison officers were jumping at the chance to come and support the events. And just, I don't know, sometimes things change and they change. You don't know why they've changed. And it becomes a stumbling block then. And the answer is always no. And then what's the question? That kind of thing. Rather than, I mean, my way, obviously, is just I'll say yes and then work out how to make it work. Not break any rules, obviously. But, you know, boundaries can be can be pushed very safely. And I think when things like that are done and prisons realise that it's not going to be a disaster having an arts project in, because there are 
hugely professional people that run these these organisations and projects. I think they look at it and they go, actually, that's great. But there are other things just kind of satelliting around. I don't know. It seems to have moved away from the thought that the arts might have a really key role to play, which for me is very sad because it's what I've worked out all my life and it's what I passionately believe will make a difference to society. As I say, we're not going to create musicians necessarily or professional musicians or people that will earn a healthy living from it. But for me, that doesn't matter. A couple might, and we know a couple of people that have gone through our programme do earn a little bit of money through their music. But it's about so much more than that. It's about things that are vital for people's well-being and existence. And that's feeling good about yourself. It's having something that you've succeeded at. All the usual things, you know. I want to be told I did a nice job. Prisoners are no different. You've got to give people the opportunity to shine. And that's what we try to do in, in all our work. And we make our projects a safe place to not get things right. And we don't, something goes a bit wrong. Hey, you know, we've got a bit wrong. Everybody's got a bit wrong. Let's laugh about it and go back and try it again. It'll be right next time. But there'll be no kind of naming and shaming in the class. There'll be no laughing at people. There'll just be support. It just feels as though that is something which all of us have to do. Praise people, give people opportunities. And I suppose actually that goes for prison staff, you know, to have management say to them, guys, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Because those words and sentences might not be delivered as often as they should be. Yeah. And I found that quite profound, actually. I was having a chat with a prison governor and I'd mentioned about prison staff and, you know, the fact that they're not that they're undervalued in that specific establishment at all. We were just talking about prison officers being undervalued as a whole, the public not really appreciating what they do. Prison governors have said to me themselves that, you know, the the job of a prison officer, they don't see their accomplishments, they just see their failures. But interestingly, that prison governor had said to me, but it's the same for governors. We want praise too. We want to know that we're doing a good job. And I hadn't even thought of that. And I know that's very silly, but I was just thinking about the prison officers. And I think, hang on, like everybody is human. Everybody's the same. As you say, we all want praise for the stuff that we do right. And it doesn't matter whether you're a prisoner, the chief executive of a prison service, a governor, everybody wants praise for a good job well done. Yeah, it's acknowledgement, isn't it? And it also just gives you the incentive to keep on keeping on, really. No, you're right about about the governor's. Because whether things succeed or fail, I suppose the buck stops with them. And their superiors need to also say to them, hey, you know, you've really managed to turn this jail around. And then that means that that governor has done a really good job with the staff, you've done a really good job with the prisoners, and and that will be why, why a jail succeeds. It's not due to necessarily one person, it's due to leadership. Not necessarily management, which I think is a very different thing than leadership. But, you know, leading people, inspiring people to do the best they can do and to be the best they can be, that's everyone. We all want to turn up to work and have a, and have a good time and for somebody to say, mate, that was brilliant, well done, well done. We deal those things out all the time and we deal them out very genuinely because we recognise that a lot of the people we work with are coming to us from a, pa- a place of real fear when they're starting to do, starting to create something because they probably have had people just say to them oh you're rubbish you know you'll never succeed you'll always be useless all that kind of thing and that really stays with you 
So we don't praise unless it's merited, but almost 100% of the time, there'll be something that somebody does, which is worth a big thumbs up and a pat on the back. You know, and the same when we've had really brilliant support from staff in jails and going back into prisons now after the pandemic, it's been really interesting actually because we see how short staff they are. But over the last maybe six or so months, six to nine months, we've been in a number of prisons and I could probably think of three or four of them where we've had the best organisation that we've had almost for all the years that we've been running. It's been quite extraordinary, and I I don't know why that is. I think that might be something to do with the combination of us, what we're doing, the staff that they put in charge of the project, the whole vibe of the jail when you go in there because they really want the arts in. But we've had some really positive experiences, and always, and I feel very strongly about this, is that whenever we've had a really good experience, I make sure that I write to the governor and tell him how great his staff were and ask it to pass the news on and they always do which is really nice because I think if you get that that compliment secondhand it almost means a little bit more because you can say something to somebody's face which once again we always do nice one really appreciate appreciate your help thanks ever so much see you tomorrow that kind of thing but I think if after the event you get somebody writing to your governor and then your governor coming and saying Hey, well done, family team. You did a blinding job last week on the Lullaby Project. Thank you. It's a boost in a quite a tricky situation. And we all like to be told we're doing a good job. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, obviously it means a lot at the time when you're saying it to them. But the fact that somebody goes out of their way to then follow up with the governor and tell them, it's almost as though the thanks is more profound because you've taken the time to actually also go to the governor who's then gone to them. I just think it's about receiving something or it's about when somebody says, oh, I was talking to so-and-so about your organisation the other day and they said X, Y and Z. And you go, oh, that's really lovely. We had that quite recently, actually, with one of our musicians in residence and a researcher. And the musician in residence said, oh, wow. The researcher was just saying some amazing things about the organisation and her experiences of it and all that kind of stuff. She hasn't said that to us. And kind of that, you know, that's all right. She's a researcher. But she'd taken time to tell this other person who'd then taken time to tell me and I can then tell the team. And so everyone goes, oh, right, it's all noticed. Because some of the things you feel, I've just done a great job and nobody even saw it. It's one of those, isn't it? You know, and that and that happens with everyone. It happens when you're sitting, if you're a prisoner sitting playing the piano on stage and you want somebody to come up and say, hey, that was a really fine job you did there. And I like that. You like that. The prison governor wants to say, know that they're appreciated. Prison staff wants to know they're appreciated. It's just it's just a nice human thing. Absolutely. And sadly, the negative things stay, don't they? We have a negativity bias. So we remember the negative things. So when prisoners especially as you say they had so much criticism the compliments will mean so much to them Mm. so how many prisons are you working in in England well it's kind of difficult to say we've got um seven or eight musicians in residence and so we work regularly in those but then we have a number of prisons that we visit doing the intensive week-long projects which are some of them are the same prisons some of them are different and just recently we've had contacts from new places which has been really lovely And it's just about trying to find the funding. 
and work out the funding because obviously what we want to do is to visit as many of these places as we can and at the same time see if there's the possibility of setting up something which is longer term in those places because whilst doing a week-long project is really lovely you kind of get to the end and you go oh right what's next and you say to them oh sorry no that's it it's sometimes quite a difficult one for somebody who's locked up to deal with other people realize that it's just kind of what they say a week away from their mundane normality and it feels like they weren't in prison for a week which is always something that that people seem to feel when they're in the throes of writing music and they forget where they are because it feels like they're doing something really productive and creative so i mean i suppose if we were to list all the prisons that we we would have worked in well over half of the prisons in the uk you know but we've been going for 27 years and in some of those places we might have only just done a one-off project but i think you know with all organizations what we try to do is to is to streamline what we do and to ensure there's a meaning behind what we're doing and that if it is a one-off then that we do try and repeat the process later on down the line so for example in uh, one of the prisons we work in, we go in there maybe every six to nine months and the prison now knows that this happens every six to nine months and they know that maybe not much will happen in between, but they know we'll be back. So it's kind of sometimes just that knowledge that it will happen, you know, and we're trying at the moment to work out whether there's an additional provision that we can provide that prison because, you know, there's so many people. I was talking to a head of learning and skills yesterday and she said to me, well, I don't know why they've cut music and the arts out of the curriculum, Sarah. She said, because whenever we ask anyone to fill in a form, say, what would you like to do aside from the things that are offered? She said, music is almost always at the top of their list. Wow. And then you think, well, why, why is that not a core subject as well? In, in some way, you know, may, people would argue that it's not as important as English and maths. I would say it, it is as important as English and maths, because it's about you. That's what all the arts is about you and yourself. And what you're doing in the process of creating music is growing as a human being. And we're, all of us are aiming to make sure that everybody whose lives we come into contact with learn enough to ensure they don't come back. And for some, that might be doing a maths degree and going to university to study maths. So for some, it might be the ability to play a few chords on the guitar and be able to sit down with their child when they get out and play. So not everybody is good at everything. And it's why I feel that this should be a much, much broader offer available in all prisons, really, to make sure that everybody's given opportunities. And that the art should be financially valued as well, because that's another thing is that if arts is seen as a hobby, which it is by a lot of people, there seems to be a quite a shock when you tell people that actually costs to put on these creative projects. And you think, well, it's these people's jobs to be a musician and to do this work. You know, it isn't their hobby. So, you know, it needs to be valued just as everything else is valued. And money needs to be found for it. No questions asked. You know, nobody is paying their staff more than the going rate is for the work that they do. So you're not going to price yourself out of the market. But I suppose what you have to be aware of is that some people might come in with a really, really low price. And you just have to keep your fingers crossed then that the service they're providing is professional, safe, 
and that they have the right support in place for the people that work for them and for the people they're working with. Because that's a huge part of the work is to make the safe space to do your job. Yeah, and, and that's um, the problem, isn't it? You get, I believe you get what you pay for in life. So it would be yeah. nice if people understood the, the benefit of the arts more, but yeah. hopefully with the work you're doing and there's research into the mm -hmm. benefits of music and things, hopefully we can kind of, or you, you and your team can push it more and more prisons that you work in will be able to appreciate the benefit and then that new yeah. spreads. I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, anybody that comes to an end of Project Gig looks at the enormous achievements that people have made over the course of five days in you know in the intensive week and you think how on earth did they manage to do that and that's the skill of the musicians first off but very much in partnership with a group of men who have immediately seen that these people are brilliant at what they do and they trust them and that's a that's a key thing I think for us right at the beginning is to gain people's trust because if you do that and you're very genuine and honest about it then they'll come along for the ride. And that way you can push boundaries together and you can come up with the most extraordinary artistic output, which is very, very exciting. But, you know, the I think organisations are only as good as the people they employ to work for them. And if you really aim high, which I believe you should always aim high, because I believe that the work that you deliver for a group of prisoners should be exactly the same as you deliver to any other groups in the community inside or outside or wherever so we take in really good instruments we take in really fantastic musicians and prisoners are, are, are very wise people sometimes and they'll notice that and they want to get into conversations oh you play with this band or you do this or how come you can play four instruments just those kind of things you know and they notice it straight away and and once you've got your homogenous group then the sky's the limit and that that for me is exciting to be a part of really exciting to be a part of at the time where I where I found myself doing less of the work because I had to kind of make a grown-up decision about running an organization or doing the stuff that really made my heart sing I worked out that I could do both but it's really brilliant to go and watch an end of project gig because I know exactly what's gone into it I know the turmoil and the heartbreak and the frustration that that started and I know what these people have done to put it together for the audience that have rocked up to see it. And uh, it's joyful, absolutely joyful to see it. I bet you make me want to see it myself. It sounds absolutely beautiful. Mm. And the work you do sounds incredible and like you're making such an impact. So I'm so grateful to you for coming on and speaking with me and sharing all of this with my listeners. Just final thing, where can they learn a little bit more about the trust? You can learn a little bit more by getting onto the website for sure, because that gives you all the details of the various programmes that we run, because we run programmes with young people at risk as well, and also former prisoners as well as our prison work. We run a variety of prison projects. We run a lullaby project where we work with members of the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, where people can write songs for their kids. That's a really beautiful project, but all the details of everything and the research and the people that make it happen are on the Irene Taylor Trust website. So www.irenetaylortrust.com. And we've got a, a 10th anniversary community program gig coming up. And there's the option if people can't make it to join via the live stream. All the details about that are on the website as well. And that's the 15th of September. So we're getting together some young people and some former prisoners to curate their own music and their own gig. 
and we've hired the stage and so we're going to put on a, a gig to celebrate 10 years of our community programs because the first 15 or so years of our life was just prison and then we wanted to just expand a bit and we thought we would celebrate 10 years of community programs so yeah people could live stream that they can come to the gig i think it's a fiver it's beautiful the price of a beer well actually not a price of a beer um price of two-thirds of a pint of beer in London. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just just learn and get in touch you know email us find out go to our soundcloud page listen to the music read the evaluations and if anyone's got any questions we can always answer them via email if any prisons want want us to talk to them about the work we do and how we could possibly supply provision for them, then we're a phone call away, we're an email away. And as I say, you know, it, it's our belief that we want as many people as possible in the prison system to experience what it's like to do such a creative, wonderful activity. And if people are, are inquisitive about it, staff members who maybe who maybe listen to this are inquisitive, then just shout out and um We'll chat. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And it's been so lovely getting to know more about you and the project that you're doing. You're really welcome. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to learn more about the Irene Taylor Trust and the work that they are doing, I've linked their website in the show notes. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. So please reach out to me at evolvingprisons.com if you have any feedback or questions for me. 